This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Tonight is uh, Tu B'Shvat, and it is a, a very special night in experiencing God's love for creation, God's love for us. Now, some people have a hard time with the, with the whole concept of God loving them. I know the first time, I, I remember when I first got to Jerusalem, I was at a meditation, and he, he was... He started saying like, that we were meditating on God loving us, and I wanted to like, punch the guy and leave. I don't know what it was. Something about God's love like, really bothered me. Um, it doesn't bother me anymore because I'm really cognizant now of the fact that every moment, every second is a gift, and we're getting that gift all the time. We don't deserve it. There's not one of us in this room who deserves our life. We haven't done anything to deserve it. Quite the opposite. I mean, if you... Your cognizance of your creator is probably nothing compared to the, the actual passing of minutes in your life. Like, how many minutes have passed in your day? And how many of those minutes were spent cognizant of who was creating you during your day? So, hopefully a lot. Even right now, let's take a moment and just be cognizant that we're being created. You're in a state of being created right now. Excuse me, sir, in the back. Can I just get you to shut off that air conditioning? We've got like perfect weather. It's a shame to have that noise. It's, yeah, it's just right there. There's a power button. Listen to how much better. It's going to be great. Is yours on too? I work in musical, in music production and stuff. So I was just hearing that. Like. Cognizant. Cognizant. Cognition, thinking. We're being created right now. Your life's being created right now. God's orchestrating all events right now for you. Everything's being orchestrated around you. In fact, everyone you ever met, everyone you met today, how you got here to Israel, all of it was orchestrated. You're living in a fully orchestrated and and uh, designed existence. It's a total gift. And then you have the gift of vision, the gift of hearing, the gift of taste, the gift of smell, the gift of touch. Tonight is Tubishvat, and tonight, it, which is uh, the New Year's of the trees. Every, there's plenty of New Year's. We have New Year's of the people. That's Rosh Hashanah. We have New Year's of the kings. That's the first day of Nisan. We have New Year's of the Trees, which is today. Tonight is New Year's of the Trees. And tonight we'll be tasting, smelling, touching, feeling, experiencing, seeing. Even the sight. God didn't have to make pomegranates that color. He didn't have to make bananas turn yellow just to let you know they're ready for you to enjoy them. God didn't have to give the aroma of the, of the smells of all the beautiful things out there. This is all a gift. Tonight is also the fixing of Adam and Eve's eating from the fruit. A lot of people don't realize that Adam and Eve had, were supposed to wait. They were supposed to wait until sundown, when it would have been Shabbos. Remember, he was born on the sixth day. And all they had to do was wait till Shabbos. On Shabbos, the Shabbos food was going to be the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil. They were going to eat from that tree. God's prohibition of eating from the tree was only that day until the night. But they didn't wait. They just went for it. And we're still paying the price. So tonight, we'll be doing meditations on food. And some of that meditation will be not even eating it for a while. It'll just be experiencing the sight of it, the touch of it, the feel of it, the taking our time, making really slow blessings, meditative blessings throughout the experience. We have a special blessing that uh, if you come tonight, we'll teach you the blessing, how to make it uh, the way we do in a special, um, you know, giving great honor to the creator when we make those blessings. So by the time the food hits your mouth, you've already expressed or, or you've displayed great, pre- great, great patience and great presence and interfaced with the pleasure in every aspect of the pleasure. And this experience is, is fulfilling the purpose of creation because God created you with your body lined with pleasure sensors. Your body's lined with nerve endings. Everyone just take a moment, for example, and just appreciate the clothing you're wearing right now. You're wearing clothing and feel it. Just feel the fabric on your skin, soft, warm, protective. Um, Ladies, can I get you to slide in like five chairs? It's just that uh, sitting there is making it hard, hard for people to come access the class. Thank you. Also, if you, if you don't mind joining them, in case a lady comes, she'll sit there. Yeah, just make it really easy for everybody. Just go in, a, go in like three seats. Go in one more, just so the, the next person can come sit. Yeah, what was your question? Can you slide in one, too? Just, not you. Um, yeah, you ladies can. If you can go in a couple, in one seat. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I've also noticed it gets better. I'm here 26 years. And every day it gets better. It's amazing. Every Shabbos seems higher than the one before. Yeah. Anyone else notice it gets better every day? Raise your hand if you've noticed like your, your experience in Israel keeps getting better every day. It's not normal. You know our airports, the number one airport of changed flights, flights in the whole planet. Meaning people go to Hawaii, they have an amazing time, but they leave on the date that they chose to leave. People don't extend. You got to be like, you got to be like emotionally imbalanced to extend your trip to Hawaii. You know, you go to Hawaii, you spend 10 days, two weeks, however long, three weeks, a week, a weekend, and you leave. And, and raise your hand if you've traveled. Anyone here has traveled? And right, you came back on the ticket, like you had a ticket and you came back on that date. Israel, people don't do that. People come here and then they realize that they're going to extend their trip. And smart people just come with like a year ticket. And meaning they change it for the date they'll leave, but they set it up so they don't have to keep spending more on extensions. So just make a year ticket, like you're coming back in a year, 
and then leave after two weeks, three weeks, a month. But at least you don't have to change it multiple times. You know, you just change it once. But be careful, there's a bit of a catch, is if you take a year ticket, it's cheaper. And they can, but they get you later on the changes. So be careful what you want to get to the right. Um, there's different levels of tickets, so it's better to spend a little more on the level of the ticket so that yeah, you don't get caught later. Yes? You've already postponed twice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. A question I have. Can you tell how you can know that it only was one evening Adam and Harvard didn't wait for the truth? Yeah, they were supposed to wait till Shabbos. Yes, but how can you know it was only, I was thinking maybe this was after 300 years. How can you see that it was only one day? It's an oral tradition. Oral tradition. Ah, okay. But is there any logic in this? Or it's only knowledge? Oh, it's, um, it, I'm sure, um, almost every oral tradition is based off something. Yeah. I don't know what this one's based off. Okay, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, changing tickets, constantly changing tickets. <laughs> Postponing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so even the fabric, everyone take a moment and just feel the fabric on your skin. Like move around a little bit so you feel it moving. It's giving you a little kind of massage. You ever had someone go lightly on your skin? You can do it to yourself. And, and how about your sight? Everyone look out the window for a second. And appreciate this, you know, incredible view. I mean, just look at that out there. I, mean, I don't know if the phone can get it. Might be able to. No, the phone doesn't get it. The phone just gets these two white boxes. Well, never mind on that. That ain't no iPhone. Can you recenter me when I get up there? And, um, but everyone, uh, just look again. Uh, it's centered right now. Look again and, uh, and just focus on the pleasure and also the depth of field. Look at the window frame and then look out the window. That's two very different focus. Notice how your eye seamlessly moves, meaning if it were a movie camera, it, would, it wouldn't be seamless. It would, you would see it. it. It would have to focus out, and then it would focus back in. But notice how your eye seamlessly focuses at the great distance, or it will immediately adjust to the, to the walls of the classroom. Check out your periphery. Even the greatest fisheye lens will not hit the distance. Like, I can see my hands right now. Like, I see both hands right now. Even though they're, they're really behind my eyes, right? My hands are like, here's my eyes. And I already see them here. So we have this incredible periphery. And they don't make lenses like that. They do, but they're totally distorted. They, it's called a fisheye. But it looks like a fisheye. It's a fisheye lens. You don't have a fisheye lens, yet you got the periphery. And will they ever, with all the money and technology in the world, ever create an eye experience like your own eye that's already built into your own head? What an incredible world we live in. And your body, completely set up for this. How about the sound right now? See, your mind's tricking you. Oh, wait, let's go back to the eyes. Notice you have two lenses. Why don't you see two of me? How can you see one? And the answer is, because the world is three-dimensional, you need double lenses to experience the three dimensions. 
You know, when people go to 3D movies, the camera has two lenses on it. 3D movies are shot with double lenses. So two of you have been given double lenses. Why don't you see two of me? Because your brain is doing this little dance to create one of me 3D. And this is all going on for you every day. It's just a question, a big cognizant of it. Your heart beating, your lungs, your lungs breathing. Hundreds of uh, thousands of autonomic systems going on inside your body that are, that are non, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-voluntary, involuntary functions going on throughout your body that are keeping you alive. Just my voice right now, am I speaking English? Is this English? This is not English. This is vibrational math shooting across the room. If it's an A, it's 440, 440 oscillations per second. It's a lot of oscillations per second. 440 per second. And they're shooting across the room. They're hitting your eardrum. There's a little monkey doing a drum roll on your eardrum right now. It's sending it up audio nerves into your neurons. Your neurons are just these little, you know, doodads. That they're just, they either fire or don't fire. You have billions of them. And they're, they're matching these vibrations to every time you've ever heard English in your past. So that you can hear the English in real time. This is not English. This is all happening vibrationally. Just one more gift from God. And now crank music. What was I cranking? I was cranking, I think, the, I was actually listening to the music of an anti-Semite, I think. No, it wasn't Bach. It was... It's just amazing what's happening all around you all the time. And it's all for your pleasure. Every bit of it is just to give you pleasure. That's it. Your optic nerves, your audio nerves, your skin, your smell, your taste, your touch. Your, your, and, and of course, God has put the, the ultimate concentration of nerve endings on the parts of the body that are involved in intimacy. And, and hence, there's the most laws around there. Most of the laws are around that particular pleasure. And that's where the covenant is. Why would God put the covenant there? And the reason he puts the covenant there is because he's saying to you all the time, He's saying to you, I love you, and I'm giving you life's pleasures. But as a message to you, to have you relate back with that recognition. Our job is just to recognize, and that's the word to give thanks, gratitude. Tonight is a food gratitude meditation. It's just gratitude. What does it mean, gratitude? What does it mean to give thanks? Imagine, for example, I gave you, I don't know, I gave you a pen. Yeah? What would you say? Thank you. You would say thank you, thank you, to me. 
Now, wouldn't it be strange if he thanked him? Why is he thanking me? He's thanking me because I'm the source of the pen. I handed him the pen. I'm the source. He gives gratitude. Thank you is source gratitude. Gratitude to the source. Recognition. But what is the source of everything I've just spoken about? Whether it's your sight, the sound, the touch, the smells, the taste. What is the source of all that? The source of all of that is God. And the word for toda or hoda'a or moda or is the word of the Jewish people. The word Yehudi means thanksgiving. Our very name is thanksgiving because our job on earth as Jews is to be the recognizers of the source. That is our, that's what we do. We recognize the source. You know, I've met people who can't believe that we make blessings on so many different things. I mean, we have a blessing for everything. We have a blessing for going to the bathroom. Obviously, after the bathroom. But we have a blessing for everything. And the reason is, is because we are the recognizers of the source. We're in constant recognition of the source of all things. Now, you have the seconds of your day, and you have the amount of time you're cognizant of God giving you these, showering you with these gifts. You want to have as much time in as possible. Meaning you want as much of your mental real estate involved in recognition of God as possible throughout the day. Now, everyone had to do different things. For example, you had to use some mental real estate to get into Eshat Torah today. You had to get here. And that can be pretty logistically spellbinding getting into the old city and through the old city and the, the, uh, what you used for transportation. And so you had to use some real estate, some mental real estate for that. Then there's also making a living. You've got to pay your bills. You also got to pay your bills. And you're going to use mental real estate also for paying your bills, meaning you've got to work. But how much mental real estate are you willing to give up Because the more time you spend, please clear that chair for this lady, the more time you spend involved in recognition of the creator, the more time you spent fulfilling your purpose in this world. Our whole purpose is to recognize the creator. Now, you can sit there meditating and just be like, you know, I recognize you, God. I recognize you, God. You're amazing. You're amazing. You can do that. Or... You could do something else. You could go and help poor people. And they'd be like saying, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And then you show up and help. And like, ah, there's God. There's God. I wasn't left behind. You can just help someone out. Also, you can take someone who was not at all involved in recognizing God and teach them about God. You know, a lot of people don't recognize God because they don't necessarily believe in God. And so they're just missing information. Share with them the information. And you've, you've done it, you know, extra. So you, you, didn't even, you didn't only meditate on God, but you went and you helped someone else do it. There is so much we can do in our lives besides sit there and meditate on God. And by the way, you should be meditating on God at least once a day. You should meditate on God. The men, uh, Jewish observant men, meditate three times a day on God. Um, and those are the set times. Obviously, we want to be doing it other than the set times. 
We want to be meditating on God in everything we do. Now, let me just give you an example of how the time works with cognizance of God. You'll notice everything you've ever been through was part of a plan. The problem is how long it takes you to notice that. I'm going to say that again. Everything you've ever been through, you'll notice, was part of a plan. It developed you into who you are. Would you trade it? Would you trade who you've become today for the stuff you went through? Would you trade it? Would anyone trade it? If you're going through something now, for sure you'd probably trade it, because you're not aware yet what you're getting. You're probably not aware of what you're getting. But, but take anything you've been through in your life, where you would have done anything to get out of it, but several years ago, and now look at your life today. Would you trade what you got out of that? But you'd also, meaning you trade having gone through that, but you also have to trade what you got as a result. And what you'll find is that you wouldn't trade it. You wouldn't trade it. Which means that the stuff you're going through now, you shouldn't trade either. I mean, you stop trying to get out of it and start learning. God has created a world that feeds back to you. It teaches you. You're being taught constantly. There is a tremendous amount of information coming to you daily where God's speaking to you through your life. We don't have prophecy today. But we do have God constantly sending you text messages at all times. God's always messaging you. And you're growing throughout the process. Sadly, most human beings grow much better out of difficulty. When we're going through difficult things, we grow a lot better. We tend to grow more when we're going through stuff than when everything's fine. I had a guy raise his hand in this class. I said, would anyone in this class trade what they went through? But they'd also have to trade who they became. And no one raised their hand. And then after, a guy raised his hand, and he said that he buried his, one of his sons when he was his firstborn son. He buried his firstborn son. And, and this man said that he wouldn't trade it for what he got. He says he wishes, he wishes he had his son. He says, I wish the son was alive. But it sent me on this crazy search for the meaning of life. Because so much of my meaning of life was in that son. And when that son was gone, he said that he, he, there was a gigantic gap in his heart of what's meaningful, of what life's worth living for. And it sent him on this crazy adventure, a crazy journey. And that journey ultimately landed him in Israel, landed him in Torah, landed him in a relationship with God, and landed him ultimately to the palace of the king where you sit right now. And he said that he wouldn't trade it. If that happened to you uniquely, so we wouldn't know that much about God, but the fact that it's happened to everyone in this room, I'll show you, for example, ever raise your hand, you ever been through something that you wished you weren't going through in your life, like way back? Okay, raise your hand high. I don't want an L, I want to vote. And everyone put your hand up, by the way, or else you're just being lazy because all of us have been through stuff. Okay, raise your hand up high, real L. Okay, now keep your hand up if you grew from it. 
And now, keep your hand up that you wouldn't trade it. It's basically everyone in the room. One person put their hand down that they didn't grow from it. First of all, I could argue with him. I could argue with him that he did, well, that he is growing through it still. Some people are slower than others. Now, 7 billion people on the planet. What percentage of those 7 billion people are probably going through something? Nah, I don't know, 100, but let's say 90%. And, but over the last 10 years, let's say 10 years and back, meaning 10 years ago and back, of the 7 billion people, how many of them had gone through something? And then it's 100. That's for sure, 100% of them. Now, 10 years later, if you interview them, could they tell you a story of how they became who they became as a result of what they went through? Not just some people, probably almost every one of them. Anyone who couldn't tell you the story is just thick. And there are thick people in the world. There are thick people. But as long as they aren't very thick, so every one of them who was not thick would tell you a story of who they became. And then what you see is that there's, this world is experienced with a great efficacy. There's a great, sorry for fancy words, efficacy means efficient, it's perfect. It's a perfect balance. Now, what's the measure of spirituality? How long it takes. The example I just gave was 10 years. Does it take you 10 years to realize there was perfection? Does it take you a year to realize? I, I gotta tell you, you know, you, if, if you come out of a, a life-changing situation that's so incredibly... So, I'm so speechless that I can't even tell you how horrible it is. You don't always come out positive, okay? I've seen it in my family. It's devastating beyond belief, and more than 10 years have gone by, 15 years have gone oh, yeah. by, and it paralyzes, Mamish paralyzes certain people, and you never get over it. Not that you never grow to it. There are people who never get over it. Yeah. I wasn't discussing them. Okay. And I also wasn't talking about getting over it. I didn't even mention getting over it. You implied that you become a better person. That they grew from it. I'm sorry, but I know somebody that did not grow from it. There was someone in the room who put their hand down that they didn't grow from it. We know there are people who don't grow from things. I had a guy that I met this week whose who's best friend brother died in his arms on a drug overdose when he was 14. At the age of 14? He was 14. Oh, he was 14. It was his star older brother. He's not over it yet. He's not over it. He's like, he's like the day it happened, really. Right. He's like the day it happened. It's already been a few years. It's been five years. But he's like the day it happened. My sister lost her teenage daughter. Mm. She wasn't sick. There was nothing wrong. She was here one minute, gone the next, in a car accident. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. And she's not over it. Uh-oh. No. She's right there. Yes. Every day, 
this mm. is like 15 years. Ah. Every day is worse. And every every day is worse. Yeah. Oh. And she told me not too long ago, she's tired of living. I'm sure. It's exhausting. Well, there's definitely great advice for her. Please. We'll speak privately. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, by the way, um, would anyone here agree that there, should, that there are things you never get over? I did not say there are things that people never get over. That we all agree. We just heard a story of someone who never got over it. Would we all agree that, that there are things that can happen that you never get over? Yeah? Good things too. Right. So the answer is no. The answer is no. That we all get over it. And you want to know something? Your sister, based on perhaps my advice I'll give you to give her, she may be completely over it to the point of radiance, radiating, radiance, and understanding of it all. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Sometimes we're going through stuff. Now, obviously, this is the, there can be horrific stuff, horrific stuff, which I myself have been through. And I've been through some really horrific stuff. And thank God... I have seen God's hand in all of it. And I'm on the other side of it. And I'm not jaded and I'm not angry. And quite the opposite. I, I bless anyone who's harmed me to be well, to heal. And, and the losses I've had and the, the pain I've gone through is all part of a process that's brought me to my greater joy. And I've had to... F- one of the hints, by the way, when it comes to pain is to feel it fully or you'll feel it forever. Feel it fully or feel it forever. It's your choice. You're either going to feel it fully and you will literally feel like you're dying. I've been there. You will literally feel like you're dying. How many? How, there's people in this room who feel if they were to let their pain be there, like really let it be there, that they would die. That it would, they would die from the pain. But it's quite the opposite. You're dying now, just a slow death of pain. Whereas if you just give it the chance to feel it fully. And unfortunately, there are not a lot of people who can hold that space for you. Because to feel it fully, you need to be in a safe place. And you need to be with someone who can hold the space for you. And it takes hours. So, so unfortunately, because who would be the ideal people to hold the space for you to feel something fully? <laughs> Ideally. But who else professionally? What? A therapist. A therapist. They're trained for it. Except they're, they're, it's perfectly set up that that could never take place in therapy. Why? Because, this, because at around 40 minutes, when you started to feel a little safe, that maybe you could start opening it up because it's going to be, this is going to be a, a tsunami. Every, I promise you, every person in this room has a tsunami inside them. You all have a tsunami in there. It's going to be a tsunami. And when you feel comfortable around the 40-minute mark to maybe start getting in there, because that's about how long it takes to start opening up, it hits the 50-minute mark, and the therapist is like, well... That's it for today. So we'll see you 
next week. And you're just like, okay, I think I have a conflict next week, so, so we'll do it the following day. Yeah. Okay, I'll see, you, I'll see you then. That is a perfect way to have a client forever. And so what I suggest, and I've told this to... I have a lot of colleagues in the mental health profession because that's my background. And I've told, the, I've told my colleagues and I've told people going to therapy, if your therapy costs 100 bucks, hand her $400 and go there for four hours. Just go there for four hours. Just book an entire morning and be there the entire time. And... And, and for sure, if, if I'm going to go talk to someone, I'm not going for less than two hours. If I want to cry out some, you know, I don't have any tsunamis left, I don't think. But I, certainly, if I'm going to cry something out, it's not, I'm not doing that for under two hours. For sure not. Probably won't even get anywhere for the first half hour. So anyway, that's just my advice, especially because this live streams and hits a lot of people. Hopefully, some mental health professionals who get, who get a little more giving... And you'll, by the way, you'll make the same amount, at least for those four hours. They may never come back again. That's the problem. <laughs> and just one more thing, if I can say, is never underestimate group work. Group work's crazy powerful because we're all, um, we're all vibrationally dynamic, interactively dynamic. And what happens if someone holds the space for a whole group and you're not really going there, meaning your pain's not really erupting. But the, the woman on your right, the woman on your left, everyone else is. So it can actually vibrationally take you there. You can actually get taken there. And so don't underestimate uh, group settings with, uh, obviously, the hours. You need the hours. And uh, I'll run seminars in America, six hours a pop, every single day. Four days straight, six hours a day. And, uh, and whew, it's the right time. You got the group going. People are erupting. Tsunami's happening. And even the most resistant person in the room gets moved because of the vibrational energy in the room. Anyway, I wish I, had, I wish I were someone to hold the space for individuals, but we really need people to do that. So people can cry it all out. But again, I'm going to say that saying I said earlier, is you either feel it fully or you what? You'll feel it forever. You'll be buried with it. They could just write on your tombstone, pain. And to put it in a saying is, is you either, it, that when you let your feelings out, they go out. And when you hold them in, they stay in and rot, and fester. And after a while, you don't feel much. You don't laugh a lot. You don't cry a lot. Because, you see, the same valve for joy is the same valve for pain. We don't have separate valves. Joy and pain come from the same valve. It's called emotion. Emotion doesn't come with two faucets. It's one faucet. And, you know, it's not like the sink with the hot and cold. It's just emotion. And if you clog up your pipe for pain, you're not going to feel the joy. But if you release the pain, then the joy comes right out. 
And the best example of this, I know you have a question. The best example of this is toddlers. Toddlers. Toddlers will cry with tremendous anguish. In fact, have you ever seen a toddler have a meltdown? Have you ever seen a toddler, a little kid, two-year-old, have a meltdown? Well, I've seen adults, I've seen adults have more intense meltdowns than the toddlers for longer. And many times, over and over. And uh, that's, that's my background. So, what, how does that toddler feel about one minute after his meltdown? How does the toddler feel? Better? No. Feels great. Sometimes they pass out eventually, but they, <laughs> given that he already slept, you know, they, they are so happy. They know the secret of happiness. The secret of happiness is sadness. You want to feel happy, you've got to cry. You've got to cry out your pain. You can't just let it stay in there. And what happens is pain has a way of finding its spot in the body. Pain has a way of hitting different areas. Some people have a lot of pain over their ability to earn for the family or take care of a household. And that almost always lodges in the low back. And there's the pain of how you'll be able to deal with the future, and that often hits the chest area, heart, lungs. And then there's people who have a lot of, a lot of, uh, shalom, welcome, how's it going? Oh, maybe just stand, because I'm done in one minute. But you'll hear the last sound bites. Some people's pain is in, uh, in staying present with their situation, and they'll often get headaches. Just their, the situation at hand is problematic for them. So headaches are great because you're out. Once you get a headache, you're out. You get to go to bed. You're gone. Current situation automatically over. Some people have pain over um, how they're viewed by others. What, is everyone, what do people think of me? And that usually lodges in the stomach. Some people have pain over their um, ability to actually put stuff in the world, like to actually contribute. And that will sometimes come out in the knees, because that's your contributing. You're like moving into what you give to the world. Our pain has, has its spots that it likes to lodge on the body. And when you're young and dumb, you may not feel it very much. But as you get older, the, it can become, that part of the body is so ill at ease that it is, can ultimately become dis-ease. And dis-ease is when you resist, disease is the resistance of pain, meaning when we resist emotional pain, and emotional pain comes in many forms. When we resist emotional pain, so it, what will happen is that part of the body is where the resistance is, so there isn't proper flow there. Now, your body is in a constant process of fighting off unhealthy parts and, and adding in more health. But there are people who have spent enough time in resistance that the body actually, the parts that fight off, the unhealthy parts can actually fight off the healthy parts, which is called autoimmune deficiency or autoimmune disease. And where the actual body that's built to fight off the unhealthy, those same cells will start to fight the body. And there's been such incredible, miraculous healings that people actually let the pain out. They let the tsunami come. 
And from there, their bodies recover. Amazing stories of recovery from things that, you know, these things are showing up on MRIs. They're showing up on x-rays. These are, these are they, they become realities, yet those realities come, can disappear within weeks or months. People will shrink a tumor that is a life-threatening, you know, there's many stories of people. I know one, uh, just someone who lives right next door to this building was supposed to have brain surgery. And she went in. She went in. They, she, she said, can I put off the surgery for a few weeks? And the doctor said yes. And she went in there and she cried it out. She cried it out and cried it out and cried it out. It took her a while to navigate. But she eventually navigated there and shrank her tumor to non-existence. Yeah. And these medical what they call miracles, are, they're not that miraculous. The same thing that created it, i.e. The, 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 the resistance to what's, what's happening or happened, our resistance creates resistance inside the body. And so the medical world, of course, only talks about what they see. That's all they care about is what they see. I mean, once in a while they'll say, you know, sir, you should really take it easy. They might say that sometimes. But in general, they're just dealing with data. Your body is a specimen that has provided data. And there's formulas of how to treat the data. And it always comes down to some way of cutting something out or, or medicating, medicating it. When, in fact, the true healing of most ailments will take place just through the heart. Your heart is the key to heal. And the holding in the pain is what causes the dis-ease. And it's the releasing of the pain. But who in the world holds space for people these days? Who would you go to? I don't even have who to send you to. I mean, I have a couple people to send you to. But not enough. And I've got people WhatsApping me from New York for this. And where do I send them? Where do I send them? And there's also... uh, there's, there's also, uh, for us Jews, we are a little, we're more careful than most people when it comes to Gentiles, uh, meaning we don't want to be overly influenced. And, but there are many Gentiles who are tremendous healers, but do you want to get involved in you know, where that's coming? What's the source of all this healing wisdom they're up to? You know what I mean? Like, how much you want to put yourself on that table, you know? So, that, so that's another question. Where are the Jewish healers? Where are the Jews who can go to those people, study those healings, and come back to the Jewish world and completely, in a completely kosher way to share the healing of, of, that they learned in those places? Like, where are those healers? We need those healers. And Lord knows we have pain, and the Jewish people have pain, and Ashkenazim have a special pain that came at the hands of of the, you know, the hell we went through in Europe. There's a pain that goes generationally inside of us, and we have to release it. So, with all that said, we are here to have the ultimate connection and pleasure with the Creator. 
recognition of God. The spiritual person does not take 10 years. The spiritual person is the person who can, li- can get it. A year later, he understands what he went through. Five months later, he understands. Even in the terrible, worst thing, he understands it three months later, two months later. A week later, he already gets what, what he went through. An hour later, she gets it. And I'll finish just with a quick story that I was walking to shul, and a man walked out of the men's shul. I said hi to him. But at the same time, there was this 88-year-old lady who walks bent over at 90 degrees, was on her way into the women's, synag- the women's shul, synagogue, and the gate was open with a thin lip on the edge of the gate. She, saw, she could feel I was saying hi to somebody, so she just kind of looked up, saw it was me, realized I'm not saying hi to her. I was saying hi to someone behind her. She went back down, but just there, her forehead hit the gate. Bam. And she lets out this noise. And we quickly grab her before she falls. We steady her, bring her into the women's shul and sit her down while she's sitting there dizzy. And the guy said to me, she said something. When she hit the gate, she said something. What did she say? And I said, I heard what she said. On impact, she said, Magiali. It was coming to me. On impact, the lady lives in real time. And she's not one of the, I don't mean, she wasn't saying it was coming to me because she thinks God hates her. She was not that way. We knew her well. She was living in like God's love all the time. But who knows what just happened? I mean, maybe she like stuck a milk spoon in a meat pot or something. I don't know what. Something, <laughs> something might have just happened. And then a second later, boom, you know, bang. And she goes, boom, Magieli. On impact, Magieli. She's in real time. The spiritual person is able to recognize God in, no matter, in everything they're going through. May we all be blessed to heal. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.